Coming up on Magical Medical Tour with my co-host, Dr. Glenn Woolman, and special guest, Hal Spate, whose life changed when he was connected to an ostomy bag. What does it mean to have an ostomy bag? How does one find support during a time of uncertainty and fear? Join us for Hal's inspiring story and vision of helping others. This and more coming up next here on YHTV. This week's episode is brought to you by Support the Mountain's Herbal Parasite Cleanse. This formula targets the small and large intestinal tracts and larvae, the most broad-spectrum formula available today. 100% organic, formulated by Dr. Mikio Sanki, author of the Esoteric Acupuncture Series. For 10% off your first bottle, visit shopyogahub.com and use the coupon code CLEANSE at checkout. Hello and welcome to YHTV's Magical Medical Tour. I'm Christina Suzama, and with me is my co-host, Dr. Glenn Woolman. Hello, Doc. Uh, greetings, Christina, and greetings, everyone. Welcome to Magical Medical Tour. Very excited about today as Christina and I travel through another quadrant of the healthcare galaxy in search of optimal health. You ready to go, Christina? Oh, am I ever! <laughs> yeah. This. Wow, the topic today is so amazing, Glenn. And yeah, like, it's, it's, it's amazing ahead. and important. Yes, yes. Yeah. It's you time know, to touch those lives out there. I know, definitely. And these are some of my favorite programs where we don't talk to doctors and scientists and mm -hmm. uh, you know people like that. We talk to people that have had... Uh, certain types of health experiences that have changed their lives and and the rest of the world has benefited from that. Uh, we've been with Robin Farman from Marion and Shulamet uh, Lamo and a number of others. And it's always exciting to talk to people like this. Today, we're going to be talking with a dear friend of mine who I've known since uh, being a teenager, but we have lost sight a few times and shown up a couple of times. And uh, he's going to be with us today, sharing an amazing story with us. But before he does, Christina, how do people get in touch with us? Ah, so if ah. you're watching this uh, through our website, uh, you can simply scroll down at any time and just type your comments or, or any ideas that you might have or questions into the comment box. And we'll be sure to get this over to our special guest or Dr. Woolman, but we will answer you. And um, if you are watching this through YouTube or listening, it, listening to this through iTunes or any other means, you know, reach out to us. We would love to hear your comments. We would, you know, love to answer any questions that you have. And we will be sure to get um, your questions over to our special guest if necessary and reply to you. So, um, and that would be calling us on 818-LET'S-TALK. 818-LET'S-TALK. Thank you, Glenn. Uh, you're quite welcome, Christina. So this is a, this is kind of a great story. Uh, Hal Spate uh, was uh, a friend of mine in Miami. We grew up together. We knew each other uh, at an early age and then uh, disappeared from each other and then came back together again and uh, then disappeared again and just recently came back uh, due to a mutual friend. I'll just mention him as Dr. Z. We will we'll know who that is, but uh, 
He's like, I was thinking about it the other day. Hal is like Hal's Comet. He keeps reappearing every uh, <laughs> number of years. So he, he graduated uh, from the University of Miami School of Law. I graduated from the University, University of Miami School of Medicine. He went on into politics after uh, being an attorney. Uh, he was a commissioner with Miami Beach, and then he went to state legislator. He was in the House of Representatives. Really cool stuff. And, and life was going great for him, practicing as an attorney in Miami Beach until the summer of 2014. And with that, I'd like to introduce my dear friend, Hal Spate. Welcome, Hal. Thank you, Glenn. Thank you, doctor. <laughs> Hello, Hal. So wonderful Good to, see to you. have you here with us. Thank you. So Hal, it's as a pleasure. Listening, uh, yeah, it's, we're really happy to have you here. This is a, a great event for us. So Hal, as I mentioned, life was going great for you. Uh, and then one day in the summer of 2014, something happened which changed your life and brought you to today. And that's what we're going to find out about it. So uh, what was it that changed your life? I, I was going through my daily functions personal daily functions, and uh, happened to notice as I was urinating some blood in my urine. And it sent a chill through my body because I'm not uh, medically oriented, but do know enough to know when to be afraid. And I was afraid. I called my doctor. He sent me over to uh, one of our major hospitals and it got to be the director of urology. Um, and he did some tests and it was um, then, uh, you know, different tests were done, a biopsy was done. And it turned out that um, I had cancer. Mm. And of the bladder? I, uh, cancer of the bladder. Correct. Keep going. Okay. Um, you you know that that I went I went to get a second opinion, and it just so happened that I had an old close friend of mine who I knew since I was seven, whose father had a medical practice on Park Avenue, New York, and was part of a board of trustees of a cancer uh, institute. So my second opinion was that, uh, done by them. And I had a chance to learn about uh, urostomy because that was what this type of cancer is called. That's the procedure that's used to, um, uh, to cut out this cancer. It's called a urostomy, it's the operation. And it was confirmed the opinion that uh, I did have cancer. So um, after learning a lot about it that I didn't know, I came back to Miami, had the operation, uh, and I was told by my doctors who were really, really, really acquainted, well acquainted with this condition that the smartest thing to do was to remove the entire bladder. And when you remove the entire bladder, you present all kinds of problems. Instead of 
the bladder being the natural part of the body, it it is uh, it becomes a prosthesis which is connected to the outside of the body, and there are various uh, terminus, uh, what's called a wafer, that is glued onto the body to which the uh, pouch is connected. Uh, the same procedure is done with a colostomy, which is um, not urinary, but colorectal. They do the same thing. They uh, bring it to the outside of the body and a pouch is connected to that. And from all of that uh, comes the problems. And, and that's where the story really starts for me. Hal, uh, one of the things I want to ask you uh, before we move forward and find out all these things, uh, something that's always important to us on Magical Medical Tour is prevention and things like that. So uh, clearly you had no idea this was going to happen to you. You weren't expecting to see blood in your urine. But looking back now, is there anything you would have done in your life differently uh, with the knowledge that you have now, or would you have just done everything the same and this is just part of life? Uh, this is part of the mystery of cancer. I asked the doctor that very question. And he said um, that, no, he said, I could have, um, I, I could have uh, uh, drank some uh, liquids, uh, uh, more fruit juices or, but it probably would have happened inevitably. And the answer to your question is no. Um, there's nothing that I found out I could have done differently. Got it. Interesting. So did you, yeah. Did you know ahead of time that you were going to have a urostomy bag? Um, no. Um, they never the, told you the, that that was part of the surgery? No, because there's a chance. First of all, there are probably three reasons why. And remember, I'm a patient. I'm not a clinician or a doctor. I'm a lawyer. So uh, <laughs> even yeah. more reason to tell you. <laughs> <laughs> so um, you're talking about somebody who really knows very little about that. But I educated myself and learned as much as I could because what was later to happen was really scary and upsetting. No, um, the doctor tells you before you go under for the uh, actual operation that uh, the, there's a probability that the um, bladder is going to be removed. Uh, if they find that the cancer is in one section of the bladder, um, they feel you have a better chance at surviving if they take the entire bladder out because they become more convinced that it hasn't penetrated the walls of the bladder and the cancer cells haven't reached a major organ or another area. So I told them to go ahead and remove the bladder I want to live. Um, I'd rather not take the chance. I've heard stories about people who had half a bladder and had trouble urinating. And um, so the smart thing to do would be to
to go the full ostomy, I had no idea how much it would change my life. Mm. Yeah, wow. and, and I, I know that for uh, most people. And sometimes it's almost better not to know because I think there are a lot of people uh, that probably before having that, uh, or like you said, a colostomy, if they had their colon removed, uh, many people have that fear of what it would be like and picture all sorts of things and almost want to say, I don't want that. I'd rather die than that. So good for you that you were a survivor and wanting to move forward. Mm. So, yeah, so you had the surgery, you wake up from the surgery, uh, wow. you're a little bit groggy and uh is that when you found out that you now had the ostomy? Yes, yes. I I was very fortunate. Um, I had a very good ostomy nurse. He uh, specialized in, in aftercare. That is all the care that this new process requires, um, all the devices that need to be used and the way now you must live your life uh, with regard to uh, relieving uh, waste uh, in a urinary or, um, uh, uh, you know, from colostomy. There's um, you, a whole new system that you have to learn and becomes your life from uh, now. I, I must say that there are certain types of colostomy, colostomies that they can clean um, the uh, affected uh, areas of the body and reinstall them to the body and restore that process. That's not the case with your ostomy. Uh, all your ostomy are, is final. This is, it can't be reversed as they call it. You have to live this way for the rest of your life. Christina, how would you like to do that? Well, I, I, I have to say it's, um, it would be a decision. I mean, how would I like to do it? I, I do believe it would, it would depend on my overall health. Um, mm -hmm. and what was going on in, in the means of if I was really in balance and, and it wasn't, you know, very uh, fine-tuned, like in Hal's case, <clears throat> they were able to to focus on the cancer in one area, blessed be. I mean, how grateful, you know, would I be if I was in that situation that it didn't spread to other organs? But if it did, I, I do believe my, my decision would be very different, right? Um, if I were in Hal's case, I think I would have I would walk the same road as you have walked, Hal, because, you know, it, it's, it was very confined in one area and it's living a different way of life. And I'm very curious to hear your story as you go on of the changes that you've had to adapt to, because I think this, that's very important for anyone who is contemplating this kind of surgery. Um, your experience is can really help them to understand what they're moving into. Christina, I have a question for you. Uh, as you always represent every person, do you have a concept? <laughs> do you have a concept of the anatomy, the physiology, and what what actually took place in the surgery, or do you want me to take a moment to explain that? Um, I, I I think. Um, 
Glenn, if you can take a, a, a what we would call a, a, a quick moment on that, that would be wonderful to, sure. to give people a little bit of a, a background from a doctor's point of view of what actually happens. And then um, it would be nice also to delve deeper into how, uh, what Hal has to share with us as well. Yeah. Uh, now, Hal, even though you're an attorney, please correct me if I'm wrong on this, because you probably have a lot more experience in it than I do. <laughs> but basically, uh, normal people are born with two kidneys, one on the left, one on the right. Uh, each kidney produces urine uh, to get rid of wastes and to protect the body, to keeping electrolytes in balance, a lot of important things that the kidneys do. Each kidney at the bottom of its kidney has a tube that allows the urine to flow out of it. And that tube is called a ureter, U-R-E-T-E-R. And each ureter, one on the left, one on the right, makes its way into each side, the appropriate side of the bladder. Uh, so you have a left ureter and a right ureter, and each one empties into the bladder. When the bladder fills up with urine, uh, the urine goes out through another tube called the urethra. Mm -hmm. And that's where it comes out into the world. So when the, uh, when the surgeon takes out the bladder, you have those two ureters and they just can't be left floating in the body and it can't be hooked up to the urethra. So they're brought out to the outside of the body with a hole An incision is made in the abdominal wall and the ureters are brought out into an opening and that opening remains for the rest of your life. There are certainly times that there could be complications and this is what we're gonna learn from Hal, how to take care of it and everything else. And then you put an apparatus around it which collects uh, the urine and that's how you work with that for the rest of your life. Any corrections, Hal? Yes, yes. Um, they uh -oh. can't leave the port um, as it is. So they take a piece of the small intestine, I believe it is, a piece, of, it's a flesh, piece of flesh that is somewhat muscular, has some substance to it, and shape it into a kind of spout. So they fill the port with this piece of flesh, which shapes into a, a spout, and through it, uh, either goes the urine or the feces, and it's directed uh, so that it just doesn't uh, uh, blast all over the place. And that's called a stoma, uh, that piece of flesh. And everyone who has had this done to them, and doctors who know about this, refer to the stoma all the time because that's what's on the outside of the body. It's a red, uh, you can see it, it's, it's, uh, there's no feeling in it, but it, when you clean and it's necessary to constantly clean with antibacterial uh, wipes and, and soap, you clean around that stoma because the skin is sewed up around so it protrudes uh, about, uh, uh, about three, three quarters, half three quarters of an inch. And it's around that, that you put uh, what's called a wafer, and then the wafer connects up to the bag, and it's a very tight water, you can't, the water can't leak through it. If it's attached correctly, 
It's done, by the way, with a, I'm going to get into this because this is the problem. This is the problem that uh, the, we call ourselves ostomates all have. <laughs> um, and, and that's what aftercare is. I just want to just want to make sure that everyone understands that in your case, you mentioned that urine or feces come out. Feces does not come out of your ostomy. That would come out of a colostomy if someone had a colon that was brought out. Correct? Yes, or a separate a separate opening next to mm. it. Right. Right. OK, so now you're after your surgery. You wake up and you have this nurse talking to you about it, uh, what you have to do. Uh, and uh, was it clear to you? Did you understand? You left the hospital doing fine and everything was under control? No. And, and first of all, you're, you're, this is a five-hour operation. And that is because the surgeon needs to examine the cells around the uh, pouch, around the bladder, and see if any cancer cells have gone outside of the bladder so that they can cut out, try to cut out all that is uh, uh, malignant with cancer. Uh, and by the way, cancer is not the only reason for the ostomy. Um, there are birth defects, there are uh, infections, but it's about 65% of them. Um, actually, the problem is this. The problem is that Medicare reimburses the hospital for the operation. Most hospitals don't feel any responsibility uh, towards the patient after the operation. So most hospitals release the patient without teaching them how to attach the apparatus and how to live with this new uh, uh, procedure, this new device, this new life. Um, and it's quite involved. It's no weekend learning process. It, it's what this organization that I've created is all about. Wow. Yeah, I do want to say that uh, probably based on some of your work that you've been doing for a while, and in other cases, different parts of the country, we do have uh, certain hospitals actually yes. do have ostomy teams that work with you. And then even after you're released from the hospital, they work with you. But not all of them. It should be, as you say, every one of them, because every patient that goes through this should not have a bad experience. They should, you know, it's, it's emotional enough to have gone through a cancer, have this bag that you're going to have the rest of your life. It's emotional enough, and you shouldn't want to have to add uh, I don't really know what to do, and I'm really scared of this because this is part of my insides that are showing on the outside, and how do I deal with this? Um, let, me, let me say this to you, Glenn, and uh, to any hospital-oriented person, um, too few hospitals have ostomy teams or have anybody or even provide uh, outpatient um, opportunity to learn these procedures. Uh, to give an example, in my area, you know my area quite well, South Florida, there's one hospital that provides aftercare as part of the 
ostomy experience. Now, uh, one hospital out of all the major hospitals, um, and that is the Cleveland Clinic in, in Weston in Broward County. Um, there are a few hospitals that have outpatient clinics. And for several days a week, they'll put an ostomy nurse in there who's familiar with these procedures. There's so many types of devices, uh, a number of companies. Uh, there's so much to learn about skin texture, body shape, so many things that need to be learned that they don't teach at the average hospital. Uh, and the better hospitals, the Mayo Clinics, the John Hopkins, uh, all of the Henry Ford hospitals in uh, Detroit, Michigan, and the surrounding areas, they do have aftercare programs, but the great minority of the hospitals offer that. Majority. Yeah, the great yes. majority. Uh, yeah, so th this I'm is- I'm sorry, so great majority, right. So you're going through a number of things right now. One, you're having to deal with it on your own emotional, personal level, but you're also, because you're an intelligent person, you're realizing that there's something wrong in the community, in the medical community, and there are a lot of people out there that have things like this and are suffering in the way that you were suffering. What do you think it was about you that made uh, you move in the direction you did? Glenn, when I, well, I, my ostomy nurse was so well-informed and so he prepared me so well for what I was about to face that when I left the hospital, as confused as I was from this lengthy, in duration, anesthetic, I understood what he said. So I spent weeks looking around. Yes, uh, they do send. Uh, uh, you know, a home health nurse for serious operations, as you know, uh, to, that uh, attends to your needs, changes bandages, does all of these things for two weeks after your operation. Unfortunately, these home, these home health uh, agencies, these nurses knew very little about ostomy. Knew, none of them knew how to change the equipment. So some of them might know a little bit, but I couldn't find one that did. And I had to actually go back and look for uh, some place that taught people like me, and I couldn't find one. Wow. I'd heard of that happening before, Hal, as well. Um, that it's very, very difficult. Uh, the uh, hospice and home care nurses they're not trained in these specific areas as well to help uh, individuals with these situations. Um, so so you were you able to find an organization that could help you in that area? Uh, I looked everywhere. I, I looked everywhere. And uh, as a lawyer, you, you know, it's interesting. When I began as a lawyer, I had a secretary. When I ended as a lawyer, there are no secretaries. You use the computer. Um, you know, there's a system of, of research, legal research you can do. So I knew how to research on the computer. There was no place I could find 
that provided the service I needed. And I apologize for my voice, uh, by the way, but I talked about the hoarseness before. Um, unfortunately, you'll have to uh, bear it. What I did was I called my ostomy nurse and I had the ability to pay him. And he came over two nights a week, spent a half hour each each night and taught me for three and a half weeks how to attach all of the equipment, how to keep the area um, um, clean uh, biologically, uh, um, how to keep the germs out of these uh, areas because it's much more exposed than it is naturally. The body is such a perfect machine that normally where you expel the waste, it's protected from germs and bacteria. But with this new cut in an area, let me, let me tell you what the problem is, the exact problem. The exact problem is this, because the area where you normally release your waste is, is constructed for that, is, is made for, for that, it has a muscle in it that holds the urine or the feces from flowing out when it comes out of the kidneys or the bowels. And it's the sphincter muscles. There are sets of them. People don't normally know this, but at night, the sphincter muscle operates autonomically. You know what I mean, Glenn? Yes. Automatically. Right. And therefore, as you get older, you get up a few times to go, but uh, it, it holds back the urine, which flows all the time. If you don't have, if, if the area is moved to an area not prepared for the release of the waste, there are no sphincter muscles. So the, the waste flows whenever it's produced. So it can flow at two o'clock in the morning, at two in the afternoon, at four in the afternoon, at one, but whenever it comes out, there's nothing to stop it or hold it. So you must have a bag attached, uh, a pouch attached to be able to collect it. And then when it becomes full, there's a valve on the bottom that you go into the, the restroom in and you release that valve. And by the way, uh, for the urostomy, every hour and 45 minutes, that bag becomes full and needs to be opened and released. Wow. That's the problem. I mean, and, and, and if you're, I mean, I'm assuming with the ostomy bag, Hal, that if one, for example, was active, um, for example, you, you were saying that sometimes, you know, through birth defects, et cetera, that uh, an individual might have an ostomy bag. Um, wow, if an individual is active and they consume more fluids because of their activity, does that mean that they have to rely on going to release this bag even more often? You're told to drink a lot of water. Mm. And the irony there, Glenn, the irony there is the more water you drink, the more times you have to empty the bag. So I've got it now down to about an hour and 45 minutes. 
um, when you go to sleep at night, and, and it's a different problem for people who have the uh, colostomy because the, uh, you don't defecate, uh, the amount of defecation is not as much as the amount of liquid um, waste. So uh, you might be able to make it through the entire night without having to empty it. Um, but it's, it, it comes out so much that at night, you have to connect the bottom of that pouch to a tube that's about a three foot tube that goes into a 2000 milliliter reinforced uh, rubber plastic, latex plastic bag that sits next to your bed in, in a, a trash can, which of course is, is covered in plastic. Uh, and everything empties into that bag so that when you get up in the morning, you just walk to the bathroom, open the valve on the bag, and everything, all of the urine uh, that passed that evening empties one time in the morning. So they, uh, the, it's amazing what uh, industry does to counteract these problems. But if you're not taught the basic principles, you have no idea how to react this way. And you're just not taught enough about it. And, and as Glenn says, every hospital should provide as part of the ostomy operation, uh, the knowledge, at least the basic knowledge that you need to, you need to move forward with these kinds of reactions to be able to take care of yourself and live normally in society. Mm -hmm. I think um, <clears throat> it, it. You said that it took you almost three weeks of of training from this uh, ostomy nurse who was really good for you. Came over twice a week for. It took you three weeks to learn this. So clearly, this influenced you in the development of uh, the program that you have. And I want to get into that in a minute. But I want to. I want to uh, talk a little bit about just life and living with an ostomy bag before we get into your uh, uh, program of aftercare. Uh, at one point in my life, I had a urinary problem and I needed to have an indwelling urinary catheter going through my urethra up into my bladder. And I had to have that in for about a week and a half, two weeks. So there were times, and I had a, a bag, the bag that you're talking about, which is attached to your abdomen. Mine is not actually attached. It was just strapped to my leg. And I would go out uh, sometimes for dinners or walking around the community, and I would be sitting at a restaurant talking to my wife and, and uh, saying things like, you know, I'm sitting here and no one knows I have this bag of urine that's being produced and I'm looking around and I wonder if that person has a uh, another bag, that person has a colostomy, that person has a prosthetic leg, that person has a pacemaker. I just wonder about all of the things that you think about now when you go out into the world and you know that you have this bag. Um, that's a great question, by the way. Um, uh, it, 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 you know, it was explained this way to me. You have to learn these uh, basic um, resources and how to connect them up so well 
that you develop enough confidence to go out and be certain that the, the bag, the the adherence, the, it's the adherence of the equipment that's important. You have to be so confident that that adherence is really holding that you can't, you don't, you end up not thinking about the possibility of leakage. You know, it comes in time, it comes in practice, but in first learning it, you, you, you experiment, you find the best type of glue, skin glue, skin paste that adheres to the skin. You, you find the best kind of equipment that when you get older, uh, the stomach uh, develops uh, a fold over, if you will. Uh, this uh, port is right where that fold takes place. So the, the basic wafer has to be pliable enough to go right underneath that, that hangover and, and connect up uh, uh, so that there's no possibility of leakage. Because if there is a leak, it grows and it'll come, the whole thing will, will come off and you'll be covered in urine. And let me just tell you one experience because, um, you, know, you know, 50, 60, 100 years ago, um, people were shut-ins. They were afraid to go out because the antique devices that have been developed did not adhere uh, well enough and confidently enough that they could mm -hmm. go out and be and not be fearful of urine or feces coming out all over the place. So they they were shut-ins. Um, the urostomy or colostomy is actually over 250 years old. It's older than the it's older than the process of surgery. So people actually knew how to do it before they realized that germs kill more people in surgery than the actual uh, damage itself. Uh, it, it, the whole thing is ironic. And when I told you I took that trip to New York and I went to that Cancer Institute, I had a chance, they had a library there and they had uh, pieces of ostomy devices that were 40 mm. years old, 80 years old, a hundred years old, and you you know, have you ever seen the rubber on a water bottle? Uh, uh, you know that you wear if if you have um, a strained knee or something. That mm -hmm. kind of rubber at one time was the pouch. So uh, it, it took a lot of glue and a lot of um, adherence to actually attach it uh, to the body and be confident about it. So only in the past 35 years have they developed uh, pouches with light enough uh, um, weight that was strong, and I mean as strong as steel, and, and actually would enlarge without breaking if you forgot to empty it so that it didn't go all over you. But it still all depends on the firmness of the adherence, and it's a matter of of confidence, Glenn. That's the answer. Speaking of confidence, uh, what about, I know that now that you're such an expert in this field, uh, 
urologists around the country and around the world are asking you to come and speak to them. So you have to travel. And I'm wondering about going to another country where they may not have the same type of uh, equipment. Uh, how do you prepare for travel uh, and things like that? And also the other question I have about that is, what about, and this may be personal, you certainly don't have to ask, answer this, but what about dating and things like that? Does that become an issue that you're always thinking about? When do I tell them or do I tell them? How does this all work for you? Uh, yeah, there, there are all kinds of programs that are developed, um, except for the basic program that I explained to you. That uh, That's just not advertised enough, even on the national websites, they would take issue with me and say, oh, yes, uh, we have a link that explains all this. But honestly, it, it, it's not available. There are things that you can do to date and you can still have sex. Uh, you have to connect up a special small sort of um, tube uh, device, um, but you can have sex. Although I'm in my 70s now, and it has chilled my desire to have sex, to be honest with you. So um, I don't deal with that. Traveling to other countries, I find, I've been to Sweden, that they have actually more sophisticated devices in Sweden uh, than they do in our country, available to more pe people. That's what, what I mean. I mean, the devices are the same, but they're just available to more people in that country. Uh, and I'm sure it depends on which country you're in, but that's the one place that I've traveled to make speeches. And I'm asked to go speak all the time. And I decline because I don't feel like carrying all my equipment with me. Mm. Mm. So, so when you say, uh, Hal, all your equipment, can you articulate like what that? Yes. We, we, I have no concept. Is it like a hand carry full? Is it a suitcase full? It, it's a, uh, it, you put it in the suitcase and it's um, a small, it's like a, it's, it's bigger than a makeup bag. Okay. A little, little bit bigger than a makeup bag. You need to put in there the 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 basic um, um, uh, device that connects connects to the skin um, and why I'm having a blank on it right now I said it a few times the, the wafer um, the wafer uh, you have to have uh, at least two of the wafer it's called and it's uh, the device that glues onto the skin around the um, the uh, stoma. Uh, and the bag connects, actually screws onto the wafer so that there can't be any leaks or any air coming in. Air coming in uh, will uh, provide eventually an airway and it'll uh, open a leak up mm. so that if it's not securely adhered, the wafer, uh, you're in real trouble. Uh, but if it is, you're okay because the 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 pouch screws on to the wafer and and that and the sleeping apparatus is really all you need you need the wipes 
and uh, you know you need the bacterial, the the actual glue that uh, you use to to put the uh, wafer on, attach the wafer to the skin. Mm. Mm. Wow, that sounds like so, a good a good uh, half a suitcase right there. A quarter, <laughs> a quarter of a suitcase. Wow. Okay, Hal. So basically. You have the diagnosis, you have the surgery, you have the frustrations and everything, you're dealing with it, you're learning about the ostomy bag and all the things that go with it. And as part of this show, it's about the inspiration of what you did to help change the world and make it better for the rest of us that have an ostomy in our future. Uh, and you are you formed the Miami Ostomy Aftercare Program, a non profit program, correct? Correct, correct. And so, so what, what what's we, that been like? What 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 we did uh was to take uh try to employ education is the key to all of this. So we we put um the subjects into two classes. You have the RNs and LPN nurses who need to be educated about these devices and about the ostomy process. And then we have the uh, patients who need to learn as much as legally we're able to teach them without touching them. So we provide seminars where we teach patients. We have support group meetings and we have them at various major hospitals that cooperate with us. So uh, many patients who are, or some patients who are at that hospital will come down from their room and, and meet with us in a small discussion group and ask, we have three or four uh, nurses there. Uh, the, the highest ranking nurses, the teachers of um, this process are called WOCN nurses. Uh, that's wound, ostomy, um, uh, I forgot, uh, continence care, care nurses. Mm -hmm. uh, they're the society, accreditation society. Uh, we uh, employ a direct uh, program with them called the Ostomates Care Associate Program, where they deliver online to a specific nurse that signs up for this program they give lectures and educate the nurses. To every 10 nurses that receive these lectures, and there are 20 of them, um, they have their own monitor. They're able to ask questions about each lecture, about the equipment. And the three companies that uh, first sell the equipment down here, we have relationship with, with they're able to deliver um, samples anywhere we request. Uh, we have a great relationship with hospitals so that all of the nurses working in the urology, urologist offices and the um, uh, uh, colostomy offices. And I haven't mentioned uh, the, the third area uh, to you um, because really it's an area that uh, isn't isn't used so much. It's the ileostomy, and uh, the ilium is uh, is a part of the 
the process that's in between the two and uh, is a whole different uh, subject matter that would take me an hour to explain. Um, but that's a third concern. Um, but it all requires the same equipment to be able to deal with it. So the second area that we, we have, we've developed a number of areas to reach out to the patient and provide information. We have seminars. We just did one with the University of Miami. Um, you, you know, you remember this, you remember this area, uh, Glenn, you remember that many of the hospitals are on 12th Avenue in downtown Miami. Um, we set up our support group right in the middle of that area. So oh, we have patients nice. from all of those hospitals. We have at least three or four nurses at every um, uh, support group meeting to answer questions privately if the patients wish. And, at, and on our board is a WOCN nurse. Um, she's my vice pres president and actually convinced the University of Miami Hospital to develop their outpatient program. So it, it's happening. It's happening slowly. If the hospitals would do that, that would answer the problem that exists right now in the community. So let me just explain for one quick second. You brought this up. You have the uh, urostomy, which are the ureters that come out. If you take part of the colon out, the large intestine, that's when you have a colostomy. And you mentioned the ileostomy. So the ileum is the third part of the small intestine. So that's right. uh, so that's an area. So it's not the large intestine. It's not the ureter, but it's a part of the small intestine. Uh, Hal, uh, you... Glenn, uh, in, it, yes. Glenn, in that area, what has to happen is the... Uh, um, the, the 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 fluid from the ileum must bypass the colon. So mm -hmm. uh, it's diverted that way. And it's the most difficult of all of, of the waste uh, substances to deal with because it hasn't been treated by the body's uh, treatment, the body's acidic uh, self, you know what I mean? So it eats anything up from skin to materials, special equipment has to be used for that. So that's why I didn't talk about it. Oh, that's a great point. Uh, so Hal, you've been in the legislature, you've been a commissioner, you've been uh, on the House of Representatives in Florida. Are there issues in bringing something like this out into the world that, that others that might be inspired by your process uh, to deal with? What kind of things did you have to deal with to get this going, or was it pretty simple? Uh, <clears throat> this was be this happened because of the anguish I went through trying to find help, trying to find instruction that should have been given to me at my hospital or by the hospital. I could not find the instruction anywhere. That's wrong. And I felt even even though I was still practicing as a lawyer. I felt the need to try to come up with a solution to raise public awareness, to raise health cares, the healthcare community's awareness, and to offer suggestions. So I applied through the IRS with a very good law firm for uh, 
a 501c3, a non-profit corporation. And um, this is such an area of need. It was grant. It usually takes a year, year and a half. It was granted in in a month and a half. And hmm. and the programs that we have, we we have one program. For instance, I don't have time to go through them all. We have one program where we have an ostomy helpline, where we have a nurse who used to be the head nurse at Cleveland Clinic for 17 years, who sits uh, has access. You can access her. Uh, by phone and ask her any question, whether you're a nurse or a patient, uh, where you're having a problem, and she'll help you over the phone. Um, so we know it's a matter of education. We're trying, um, we're trying to educate as many nursing schools and home health agencies as possible. But as you can imagine, and I'm sure you have the same kind of problems, uh, funding is a problem. And, and we did get, get a startup grant. We're operating on that. We're only a year old, by the way. So we have a great, the, the kind of money that would give us the ability to, to spread what I've been telling you today around the healthcare community. Mm -hmm. Wow, that's a magnificent hell. In one year, you uh, have accomplished so much. Your passion is, is driving this to the nth degree. How wonderful. Congratulations to you and your Thank team you. uh, for doing this. Um, I do have a question where, where, where as uh, you're based in Miami, and what I've learned, I'm from Canada, so a little different of a medical system. Um, because you're in Miami, you're in the state of Florida, uh, what your nurses are teaching others, um, do you find it's uh, any difficulty in reaching other states and other uh, medical organizations in the other states around you or within the U.S.? I'm sorry to say this. I'm sorry to say this because I was born in Miami and this is my home. But the South is, is way behind the rest of the country in providing aftercare. I can name on one hand the institutions in the South, the medical institutions that provide aftercare. Usually they're near a hospital like the uh, Education Triangle in, North, in, in South Carolina, North Carolina, you know, Duke and, and those, they all have a hospital that provides aftercare. Um, in Michigan, um, the same thing is true in Ohio. Uh, I understand Arizona, uh, usually it's connected with a medical school or an educational facility and, and the hospital there. But there are just too few of these hospitals in this country to be able to help the people in need. So we're here to try to uh, bring as many um, methods as we can uh, to educate, to uh, go to hospitals and say, you know, you can do this very cheaply and you can help so many people. Uh, you know, that's the reality of it and the shame at the same time. But in the South, there are less of these institutions than in the rest of the country, I'm sad to say. Mm. Hal, uh, just quickly before we move on, 
How do people get that hotline and how do people get uh, to your ostomy site? Uh, we will have that on our website, but just so that you get to mention it. My suggestion to you is go to the website. And um, it, it, I noticed it on the bottom of the screen under my name, but I'll give it to you now. It's www.miamiostomy.com aftercare, that's it, dot, dot org or dot com. Go to that website. That website was done by experts. What I, what I was able, this is such an area of desperation. In Broward County, they have a Broward Ostomy organization that has a wonderful president that, that brings it everywhere. They're, they're so far ahead of us in Broward County. There are 14 WOCN nurses in Broward County. There are seven in Miami. Um, uh, but we have no county uh, ostomy organization here. And, and that doesn't give anybody who had this problem a touchstone, a place of connection to find out what resources are available like they have in Broward County. And I did some research and I found out that the Dade uh, Ostomy Association um, uh, died some strange death 25 years ago. So that would ordinarily be a place where I would say for people to go, but we seem to be the only uh, website alive down here. There used to be seven support group meetings. Now there's one, it's at Baptist Hospital. And we're, we're the new, one, new guys on the block and we're in downtown Miami. But uh, where there was seven or eight, one at every hospital or every major one. Now there's one and now we're the second one. And you can begin so, there. So aside from the website, do you have that phone number or should they get it from the website? Sure. Sure. Well, it's on the website, but I can give it to you. It's 305 okay. 952 305 952 0951. And uh, Thank you, a very experienced nurse will answer the phone and try and help you or take your number or leave your number and she'll get back to you. A lot of great information today, Hal. I'm so proud to have you as a friend and knowing that you went through something like this and have come out of it, not only just healing and being on your own, but you actually stepped up to the plate and made a difference for the rest of us. So I'm gonna ask you at this time, uh, do you have a health tip for us? Um, any health tip I would have you know, are the, are the regular health tips. Get exercise, sure. <laughs> you know, exercise is vital, absolutely vital, even if it's a half hour a day. And what, whatever your age, get exercise. And, um, you, know, you know, drink a lot of water. I mean, other than that, I, I don't have any, you, you know, this, this, the, all I can remember, Glenn, is the anguish I went through when there seemed to be no way to learn how to deal with this 
on a very personal level. I, I, I've never felt that in my entire life. Uh, and that's what propelled me to begin this program. And ever since last week, the website went online. Ever since the website went online, this has exploded. It's exploded. So the need is there. And that gives me great pleasure to be able to say the, the existence of the website, the unbelievable ex experts that put it together. I'm glad to have written for some of it, but most of it are WOCN type, very well-educated people because truly there exists nothing else here. Except Pretty amazing. Cleveland. I'm very grateful to our special guest and my dear friend, Hal Spate, for sharing his wisdom and experience with all of us and, and the knowledge that uh, there is hope out there for people that are going through something like he has gone through or may go through in the future. I want to thank all of my teachers and all of my healers for keeping me on my journey. Thank Yoga Hub, Magical Medical Tour, Christina and Segovia, and all of our viewers and listeners for participating in our program. And until next week, I look forward to seeing you all again as we search through another quadrant of the healthcare galaxy. I wish you all optimal health. Mm -hmm. Thank, Thank you. you, Glenn and Christina. Thank you, Glenn. And yes, thank you, Hal, for sharing with us your experience, your wisdom, and your inspiration. I, what you're doing is magnificent, and, and we look forward to being able to support you uh, with this. And hopefully this show will reach out to other people out there that is, that is uh, suffering the anguish that, that you had gone through. And hopefully this will bring them the relief that there are others out there that are going through this or have gone through this. Um, it's uh, the courage that it must have taken you to come out to do this is magnificent. Thank you for gifting the global community with what you're doing and your team as well. Of course, your, your team, whoever is backing you, uh, the nurses, um, around you, very powerful. We thank them as well for their dedication and inspiration and their support of others that are out there. And of course, we would like to thank each one of you in our community for continuing to join us and sharing um, what we are bringing out there. Hopefully this uh, show, this program and what Hal has to offer will touch someone in your life and help them find balance. And of course, you can reach out to us at any time. We, we hope that you'll give us a like on iTunes or on the YouTube channel. We would love to hear from you. And again, if you would like to connect with Hal and his team, his website is miamiostomyaftercare.org or .com. And the hotline number, which any of you might want to just pick up that phone, you might find it easier, is 305 9520951 again the hotline for Miami um, Miami ostomy aftercare is 3059520951 thank you and of course if you would like to connect with our dearest Dr. Glenn Woolman um, you know, he is an amazing medical guide um, and please visit him at glennwoolman.com and there on that site is his Metaphor Square Breath, 
And no matter what you are going through in life, just to take that moment to do this exercise for yourself and share it with others. It is really magnificent to help ground you for a moment, bring clarity to your mind. And of course, you can connect with him on Facebook at The Medical Guide. Again, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, give us a like or subscribe to our channel. We would uh, really, really appreciate it at, as it is your support that will help us to be able to do more of these shows and hopefully help others find balance in our global community. Thank you very much. Um, give us a comment. Reach out to us on our, our hotline, 818-LET'S-TALK. 818-LET'S-TALK. And until next time, Thank you for joining us. Namaste.